Hi, this is Carolyn, and I'm here with Aaron, and we are thrilled to have Rebel Good with us tonight. He does the Court of Appeals column in Tennis Magazine, has officiated tennis for close to 30 years, and has worked in more than 20 U.S. Open events, two Olympics, and numerous Davis Cup and Fed Cup events. He also does the Stump the Ump section for Western Wake Tennis Association. So we'll ask him some questions about himself and then do a lightning round of quick rulings to see if we can stump the ump. So Rebel, can you tell us how you started officiating tennis? Sure. Uh, Back in the mid-80s, there was a tournament that happened to wander into our small town of Elkin, population about 4,000, and they needed some officials. And so several of us volunteered and we, we got the training to be officials. And then we just went on from there. And it was at a time in the USTA when you could actually move up fairly rapidly if you um, applied yourself to it. And so uh, within about a year and a half, two years, I was doing professional events and then the U.S. Open. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Perhaps it was just that they were desperate, but <laughs> you could move along pretty quickly. I actually watch uh, pros like pro tennis and I see a lot of officials that I've seen at like Fed Cup and like ones that just travel mm-hmm. all over. So did you do yeah. some traveling too? Yes, I've been very fortunate. I've, uh, um, as she said in the intro, I've I worked the Olympics uh, twice, Barcelona and Atlanta. I've worked in New Zealand and Bermuda and Canada and then, you know, all over the United States. My first U.S. Open was in 1989. And this past year, I did my last U.S. Open. I've officially retired from the pro world, but that made five separate decades that I officiated at the U.S. Open. So I thought it was a good time to uh, call it a day, like about three minutes before they fired me because (laughs) they aren't using line umpires anymore. Gotcha. So I have another question about that experience. Um, Did you ever get nervous officiating? Like I've, again, I watch a lot of pro matches and I know there's certain players that like to yell at umpires or, and you know, there's obviously players back in the day like McEnroe that was famous for, you know, doing things like that. But did any of those types of things happen to you? Or did you feel like a certain match that may happen based on who was playing? No, I was, uh, I was never nervous because I never made a mistake ever. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like in adult rec tennis. Like, That's me, like too. That's That's me too. You know, it's like anything else. You just uh, learn from your mistakes. You have to be able to put things behind you. And I will also say this about the players. By and large, the players are wonderful. Uh, they are understanding. They make mistakes themselves. Mm-hmm. And they are understanding of officials who um, make mistakes. Most of them. That's good. Well, turning that into adult rec tennis now, which is what Carolyn and I play, um, we are never going to be good enough to have officials, unfortunately. Never. I wish we on could our have court. Yeah. We've asked it, like, we've gone to states a lot of times and we've asked for officials and they say, no, we don't have enough people to send a, an official to your court. But um, what do you recommend um, or what, you know, we have, we have to, you know, line judge for our opponents, which... Carolyn and I always talk about, of course, we want to win the match, but here we are being the the judge of our opponents of whether their ball's in or out or, you know, making calls. So can you give us any advice on that? Well, what I would recommend is that you download a copy of the rules of tennis and the code. You know, you can get the friended court rule book from the USTA website, or you just Google friended court and it'll come up, download the PDF. And I would highly recommend reading the 31 rules of tennis, 
and reading and really getting into the code. And I say this because too many people learn the rules or the ropes, so so to speak, from other players. And I guarantee you that they'll get it wrong. Mm-hmm. My experience with answering all these questions for Tennis Magazine or Western Wake or whoever is that people will start off by going, I was always told. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell you some, quote, rule, unquote, that just doesn't exist. Right. Yes. So I would say... <laughs> Go to the rule book. It, it, it won't take you long. Yeah. It probably could, would take you about a half an hour to read the rules of tennis and the code. And then just remember when you're out there on the court that the bottom line in an unofficiated match is courtesy and honesty. And so you always give your opponent the benefit of the doubt. Agreed. Carolyn um, actually is very good about knowing the rules. <laughs> We've done a couple podcasts on I love reading the rule book. I love reading the rules. I love it. I think everybody should have the rules with them so we can quickly just flip to the page if there's a question. Um, But I think I'm one of the few because I don't know of anyone else that actually carries the rules with them. Um, But that that's really great. Most people I know just they have my phone number. Ah, <laughs> can we get that? See, now we you have your phone number. Yes, yes. <laughs> we can be like, um, hold on one second. Let me text Rebel. Real we quick. know Rebel good. <laughs> Go right ahead. I mean, if there's, you know, if there's a beer riding on it, you, you're going to want to get an answer. Exactly. That's, <laughs> That's great. great. Uh, t- tennis is, um, you know, it's a simple game and very few rules, but so many combinations and permutations that uh, can end up making us so interesting. Yeah. So we have a lightning round of questions um, that we'll just throw out at you if you don't mind, you know, throwing back some answers at us. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll take the first one, Carolyn. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So an opponent called the ball out and then said it was actually in. So let's replay the point. Do you replay the point or is or whose point is that? And this has happened to me a lot. So I can't wait for this answer. Well, this is black letter law, you might say, in the code in an unofficiated match, which is, of course, what you're talking about. And that is, if a player reverses a call from out to good, they lose the point. That's what I thought. It's not replayed. One of the things as officials is is you want to avoid replaying points as much as possible. I know I've told you that courtesy is a bedrock of recreational tennis, but it can be carried to an extreme where you're just constantly replaying points when there's no necessity to replay the points. Yeah. Calling the ball out and then correcting it to good and then getting to replay the point is just not a good procedure. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It allows someone to basically call every close ball out and then reverse their call and then get to play the point over again when you've already hit a good shot. That's a really good point. Let me ask a specific situation where this happened to me, and it was a doubles match. So I was the receiver, and my opponent hit a serve, and I called it out because I thought it was going to be out, and then I saw it in, and I said no, and I reversed it, and I said, that's your point. And my partner said, no, we replay it. And I said, but I've already conceded the point to them, I called it wrong. And she said, no, we play. And she stuck her foot down and everyone just went, okay, we'll play it over, you know, but I felt like that was clearly their point. Stick to your guns. See, (laughs) I I was willing to stick to my guns, but my partner stuck to hers even more. And so (laughs) at that point we just let it go. (laughs) 
and the opponents did as well. So Aaron, do you want to do the next one too? Because I think that happened to you. This has happened to me. Yeah, specifically. So um, when we're playing a match, a bat actually swooped down as as I was getting ready to hit the ball um, and missed it. Can you claim a bat let or any other? Like we've also had someone say a bee got in my way or can you call a let on a bat or a bee? You can try. <laughs> I had a feeling this and was good. <laughs> what I'm saying here is, is people use the term let as though a let is a thing and it isn't. A let is a call. Let is a call that says I've been hindered. And so that the, the bottom of that is the hindrance. So if a bat swoops down and you stop play and call let, you're telling your opponent, I was hindered by that bat. Your opponent goes, what bat? Right. I didn't see a bat. What bee? Mm-hmm. What gnat? Yeah. Then, you know, you, it's a, you're, you're making a request to replay the point. You're not asking that a point be given to you. You're making a request to replay a point. Most people in recreational tennis will give you the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. the first time. Right. But, you know, if, if the bat hit you, there's no question there. But right. then the question, you know, there's a, there's a broad gray area there of how close does the bat have to come to you to actually right. hinder you? Or right. do you just see a bat flitting yeah. over the top of the court and you go, ooh, right. bat, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, so it's common sense. It, you know, there, there's a bottom line here, which which basically is, is things that happen off the court, so to speak, mm-hmm. can't hinder you. So if a car drives right beside your court and backfires loudly, do cars even backfire anymore? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> or some we Yahoo in trucks. the car screams at it. Yeah. And we have fire yeah. trucks going by it. That go down the road. Yeah. Okay. So the fire truck comes screaming by you with this siren blaring, and you stop play and say, "Let your opponent might say, why? Didn't bother me. Yeah. It's something off the court. The the same as you know when we have officiated matches and we have spectators. You know, a spectator yelling out during a during a point is not a reason for you to get. You don't get to replay the point because they yelled. Even if they're yelling, miss it while you're in the middle of your your backswing right. or a, an overhead. That's a really good point. We have so to remember if, that, Carolyn. If it's Caroline. a spectator doing it, there's nothing. If the person on the yeah. court's doing it, that's different. Well, that's a different thing, and right. I think yeah. we'll get okay. to that in a, in a minute. But right. uh, once again, we're coming down to every time you're talking about saying the word let, with the exception of a service let, which is something right. entirely different, It's always it always has to do with a hindrance. And so the first question is, is who was hindered and how? Yeah, that makes sense. And that there's degrees. That's that's interesting too. Like a bat that hits you is well, different yes. than a bat yeah. in the air. Right. And there are also degrees of whether an, a hindrance is created by an opponent where you're making a decision whether it's intentional or unintentional mm-hmm. or whether it's something apart from you and your opponent. Right. And of course, a bottom line there also is, is you can't hinder yourself. Thanks very much to Rebel for doing this. There is a part two to this episode because we had so many questions for Rebel. I've also included in the show notes a link to his Stump the Ump section for Western Wake Tennis Association, which I think every adult recreational player should read. If you'd like to see a picture of Rebel, please check out our website, which is secondservepodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the courts soon. 